We are going through our series titled Themes of Genesis right now, and uh, today we are going, uh, we're going to be in week three of it, and today we're going to be looking uh, at chapters uh, four through nine. And the goal of this series is for us to be reminded of the simple, uh, basic truths that we find in the opening pages of the Bible. So far in week one, we have looked at the, the theme of life, and Brian talked about how all life has intrinsic value, but he specifically emphasized that human life has distinctive worth, considering we are made in the image of God. But we were made from dust, so that means that our lives are, are fragile, right? Our, our lives are fragile, uh, and we need God's help, and we need uh, each other to make it through this life. Nobody, uh, no one was made to go through life alone. Last week, Jeff spoke to us about the curse when paradise was lost. While everything was going just as planned in the garden, it was going nice and smooth, that's when Satan slithered in through the, snake, uh, through, the, through the body of a snake and deceived the woman with his shameful strategies that he still uses today to try to, uh, to skew God's word. And he does that by provoking confusion uh, he encourages speculation, and he invites ambition to replace God's word. So Adam and Eve, they, they disobeyed, right? They disobeyed God, and uh, through that, though, we still see God's grace, mercy, and his hope on display, even through the curse that followed. Because we saw that God did not curse Adam and Eve, but instead he cursed the ground that they walked on. This shows his mercy because he deflected his anger, the anger that, and his wrath that he should have taken out on us through that curse. Instead, he took it out on the ground. And that's why the apostle uh, Paul told, us, uh, told his believers at Rome that we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. This is why we have hurricanes. This is why we have earthquakes, floods, natural disasters. That's why... All of those things are now because we live in this fallen, this cursed, this broken condition. Uh, but God also, he also cursed the devil and he gave a forecast to the devil's fate through the offspring of the woman. And so we live on this side of the cross and we know that fate now is Jesus's uh, victory at Calvary. The crushing of Satan's head was, was Jesus's uh, conquering death. And we see that now. Um, and that leads us to today's major theme, which is salvation. Today we're going to be uh, turning the page into Genesis chapter 4. And Adam and Eve, they are getting the final touches put on the nursery, right? They are getting everything tidied up. Um, probably if, they're like, if we're like anything they are, or however that works, the nursery isn't done until like six months after the baby's here, right? Um, but I digress. But after, after nine months of wondering what life would be like and, and, uh, and the changes that would come, the little one arrives, and they name him Cain. And as she was laboring in the pain of childbirth, which was part of that punishment uh, for uh, eating of the fruit, I can't help but think to, to wonder if, if Eve maybe thought that this offspring was the one that was going to crush Satan's head. Now, we know that if that's what she was wondering, then she was wrong, um, because we know that Cain didn't crush 
the head of Satan, but instead he became, he kind of adopted the mind of Satan when he became the first murderer. And Jesus said that Satan was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He says that in John chapter 8, verse 44. I think that Jesus had this moment of, of premeditated murder of Abel in mind when he said that. And what happened with the murder of, of Abel by Cain was a direct result of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6 through 8 says, that when God favored Abel's sacrifice over Cain's, Cain became angry. And then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. You guys notice what happened here? A lazy sacrifice or a lazy offering turned into jealousy, and then that turned into anger. And then that anger turned into murder and lying to God. Cain says, how do I know where my brother is? Am I my brother's keeper? It's a blatant lie to the creator of the universe there. The devil, he already had a very strong grip, a very strong foothold on the heart of, human, uh, of humanity. Jealousy, anger, Murder and lying had already consumed Cain. From this moment, though, Cain became a, uh, a marked man, uh, and he wandered the earth. Uh, unlike his parents, though, he was born with a sin nature, not a sinner. He was not born a sinner, but he was born with this corrupt nature uh, to sin, and that's all he knew. That's all we know, right? That's all we know. Since the knowledge of good and evil was unveiled, we are born with a sin nature, and we are born into a fallen world where sin is constantly crouching at the door. It's right there. It's right there, ready to take hold of us whenever we let our guard down. It's there, right? We don't have to look too hard to find any type of sin. But we move on. We move on, and Cain eventually chooses a wife, and the population is growing, and it's, it's growing fast, and so is this knowledge of good and evil. Five generations later, though, uh, which could have consisted of uh, hundreds of years, we see Cain, one of Cain's descendants, Lamech, killing a, uh, a man in a fight, and then later boasting about it to his wives. So here we see evil and then the arrogance of such evil. Later we read in, at the end of chapter 4 that Eve had another son whom she named Seth. And she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And then listen to this next line right here. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, Moses, the, the human author of Genesis here, he was trying to distinguish something that, that he wanted his readers to notice. He wanted, him, uh, he wanted us to see here that there was a difference between the line of Cain, as well as Adam and Eve's other children, and the line of Seth. Cain's line was evil. It was purely evil. However, Seth's line acknowledged their need for God and of course, this became the line through which Jesus, uh, the Savior of the world, would enter into the world. 
And so turning the, the page again in Genesis chapter 5, we have the line of Seth. Uh, and, and if you just do the simple math that takes up the entire chapter of it, if you just crunch the numbers and get down to the brass tacks of the, the whole chapter there, right? The total years from Adam to the flood is about 1,626 years. Some say it's more like 2,000, but, uh, you know, uh, whatever it is, 1,600, 2,000, we can, understand, uh, we can understand this, that God has numbered our days for on, on earth for his purposes. The psalmist wrote, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom, Psalm 90, 12. Uh, in fact, our, our days are numbered, right? Our days are numbered, but only God knows that number. While we live and for as long as we live, we exist for God's purpose and for his pleasure. Everything else we enjoy in this life is gravy. What I want to make known is that Methuselah, though, uh, here in chapter 5, was not the oldest living man on earth for no reason. There was a purpose for why he lived to be how old? 969, like I'm the student minister, so engagement is, is my friend, so um, feel free to speak out if you want. Um, but Methuselah, he was Noah's, uh, Noah's grandfather, uh, and uh, he, um, his father was a man named Enoch. The Bible says that when Enoch was 65 years old, he had Methuselah. And then the Bible goes on to say, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, what happened here in, this, uh, in this, uh, these couple verses that would cause the writer of Genesis to say that after Enoch's son was born, he walked with God so closely that God gave him the privilege of being one of only two men to never experience death, Elijah being the other one in uh, the other man in 2 Kings chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. But what caused Enoch to walk so closely with God as to where he did he did not experience death? I have a thought. Uh, here's a here's a little hypothesis here, okay? Uh, perhaps when Methuselah was born, God gave his father Enoch a, a vision of what would happen upon his death. What was this vision, though? What, what could this vision have been that caused Enoch to walk so closely with God? Well, this next detail is, is important for this hypothesis. Um, but some scholars believe that the word Methuselah means, or comes from the root word that means death bursting forth. Death bursting forth. So perhaps, perhaps Enoch got a vision of the flood, and this moved him to have the closest possible relationship with God. And guess when the flood came to earth? Exactly 969 years later, the year that Methuselah died. So let's do the math here. Uh, I've created a little, uh, a little timeline here. Uh, Again, I'm a visual learner I'm with students. This, this stuff helps me. There it is. There we go. Um, but hopefully this will help you track with me a little bit here. But like I said, Methuselah is Noah's grandfather. We, we know that. And from Scripture, we gather that when Methuselah 
was 369 years old, that's when Noah was born. Genesis chapter 7 verse 6 says that in Noah's 600th year, the earth began to flood and the fountains of the great deep burst forth. So 369 plus 600 is, you you guys can cheat. Yeah, good job, good job. It's up there for you. And how old was Methuselah when he died? 969. So the flood came the very same year, but after Methuselah had died. And his death, perhaps his death triggered a bursting forth of the flood waters released by God. And remember what Methuselah's name, what some scholars say his name might mean. Death bursting forth. Interesting, isn't it? By the way, Noah's father, Lamech, he died five years earlier. So when the flood came, there was no one left on earth remaining of Seth's line uh, for, for, uh, except for Noah and his sons. So why did God allow Methuselah to live so long? Well, I would argue that it was because of his mercy. God was waiting. And what was Noah doing? Well, besides building the ark with a super cool grandfather, he was out preaching, right? He was preaching uh, about repentance. The apostle Peter calls him a herald, a preacher of righteousness. Uh, In his preaching, like I said, he was warning people of what was coming, and he was calling them to repentance. And although the masses, they did not listen to him, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, we read that God was patiently waiting for them. That's why Peter in chapter uh, 2, or 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that's why he wrote this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God is still waiting today. He's still waiting today, perhaps for you, or for your one, or for others who would come to him in repentance. Has the thought ever crossed your mind that maybe the rest of your days on earth are a gift of mercy with the goal of salvation? Our days are numbered for God's purpose. The second thing that we can understand from this passage, uh, you know, Genesis chapter 5 and 6, is that over time, evil grows faster than righteousness on earth. As I said earlier, in, in chapter 5, it covers about 2,000 years or so, and we can see that this was plenty enough time for evil to begin to spread. I mean, just think, think about the last 2,000 years on earth, right? That's quite a bit of evil has taken place. And if you can't comprehend that, let's shrink it down to the last 200 years, right? And if you can't comprehend that, let's shrink it down to the last 20 years. And there's a solid chance that we can't even remember all the evil that has happened in those 20 years because there's been a lot of evil, right? We can even get smaller the last six months. Terrible, terrible things. So much evil has happened. Just downright evil things. Sin that used to be spoken out against or shown in shame years ago is now proudly displayed and and broadcast all over the world with a snap of a finger for everybody to see. I mean, have you noticed the advancement and the promotion of evil just over the past few years? And the sad thing is it's only accelerating, yeah? In my opinion, though, I I can't imagine a time where evil has had such a platform on which to grow than right here in our time. Dads, moms, parents, grandparents, we have our work 
cut out for us, don't we? Yeah, we do, we do. And here's what God thought about how bad it was in Noah's day. Listen to Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Then God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. But let's back up a few verses, uh, and, and let's see how bad it really was. Uh, it got pretty bad. So Genesis 6, 1 through 4. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120. The, the Nephilim were on earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Now, there isn't quite full consensus on, on these verses here, but let's, let's cover a very popular view uh, of this section of Scripture right here. Uh, a lot of scholars subscribe to the view that the sons of God are, are fallen angels, right? Three times in the book of Job, this term refers to angels, and even the early Christian writers of the second, uh, third, and fourth centuries, they, they believed this to be true as well. And the daughters of men here are simply uh, human women. So, uh, again, like I said, scholars believe, uh, and probably most of us believe, that, that these fallen angels had taken possession of human bodies, and they had sexual relations with the human, win, uh, human women, the result of which was a genetically altered offspring, and this bodily possession and, and sexual union was expressly forbidden. But remember, both angels and human, we, we both have free will to either obey or disobey God, and, and many, uh, many people have disobeyed uh, our Creator. But these sinful sexual unions, they prompted God to slow down the growth of evil by limiting man's days to 120 years. Imagine, imagine how much evil, how many evil acts one person could do nowadays if we live to be 500, 700, 800 years old. We see it today in much shorter lifetime, lifetimes, don't we? The boundaries of evil, they were being pushed further and further to the extreme, though, and even some of the fallen angels, they were participating in what the New Testament writer Jude calls unnatural desire or strange flesh. In fact, this is the context for what Peter wrote when he said, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness with seven others, when he, bought, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. In this same chapter, Peter mentions Sodom and Gomorrah, where the men of those cities, they were participating and engaged in homosexual behavior, and they tried to rape angels who were with Lot. And Peter wrote, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials. Uh, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority, Second Peter 2, 9 and 10. 
Again, this, this view right here is a popular explanation for what happened in, this, in these few verses uh, in chapter 6. Fallen angels who, who chose to disobey God and follow Lucifer or, or Satan in his rebellion took possession of the bodies of human men and married women to produce a terrible race of people. So let's go over just a little bit of a prehistorical timeline here. Um, so God created angels with free will and uh, lived in perfect harmony with them. Uh, and since the name Lucifer can mean to test, some believe that Lucifer's job was to go out into creation and test the things that God had created and report back to him to give him all the glory. At some point, Lucifer, he got tired of doing that. He got tired of giving that glory to God, uh, and he wanted it for himself. And that's what we read last week in Isaiah 14, 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. So Lucifer, he became Satan, he became the adversary, and convinced a third of all the angels to join him in this great rebellion. And we read this in Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Subsequently, uh, this cosmic war broke out in heaven between Satan and his angels and, and Michael and his angels. And uh, we also read about this in Revelation chapter 12 as well. Michael goes on and, and defeats Satan in this battle, at which time God expels Satan and his angels from heaven. And Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, that he saw all of this happen. And so all of this happened before God created the earth. After the population explosion of Genesis chapter 4 and 5, some of these fallen angels, they, they come to earth, they intermarry with human women. Uh, and those that did, not, not all of them did, um, because we see demons in the first century interacting with Jesus, right? But those that did were sent to the abyss and chained there until the final judgment. Not all fallen angels, though. We can call them demons. Not all fallen angels were sent to the abyss, only the ones who crossed the ge uh, genetic lines of sexuality. And we know this because Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're fighting against evil forces. And it seems that over time, evil grows faster than righteousness. Now, I'm not saying this to discourage you or to cast out all, uh, all hope, right? But I want you to be fully aware of our circumstances in this world. Things will not get better, right? Things, they will not get better. Things are unraveling. And like I said, we have a big job to do, don't we? As parents, as grandparents, as family we have a big job to, to do uh, to protect our families, so we have to be prepared for that. And the platform for evil is growing. Our culture says, you know, surely God would, would not destroy this earth with, with fire and send people to hell, right? They, why would a good, loving God do such a thing, right? And don't you think, though, that people in Noah's day, they were probably scoffing at him as well, like, yeah, okay, this flood, right? God's going to send this flood, destroy all of creation, and yeah, okay, good. have fun, Noah, have fun, right? I would say, I, would, I, can, I can almost guarantee that they were laughing at him, and here's why, here's why. Uh, 
a, a few years ago, my family, we, we like to go camping up at Summersville. And senior pastor Dave Stoffer uh, and his family, they came up and, uh, and spent a couple days with us. And uh, we're sitting around the campfire there, and, you know, we, we notice a storm start to roll in, okay? And so what do you do when you're camping and the storm starts to roll in? Well, you get up, you start folding up the chairs, putting them under the camper, putting the awnings down, tearing down the easy up, right, so the wind doesn't rip it because you've been there, done that, and you don't want to buy another canopy, right? Yeah. So you do all those things. So that's what we start doing. Uh, and Dave starts heading the other way. Dave goes out, and in the middle of the street there at Battle Run Campground, uh, just stands there and starts looking up at the sky. We're like, what's, what's going on here? And out of, out of nowhere, for everyone in the vicinity to hear, all the campers around, Dave just yells, It's gonna rain, people! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was our reaction as well. Like, what are you doing? What is happening right now? We all know it's gonna rain, right? We can see it. That's why everybody's scrambling around. But Dave, you know, as we are confused and laughing and thinking you're crazy, he walks back over and we're like, Dave, what was that all about? Why'd you do that? Simply, he replies with, I just wanted to see what Noah felt like. (laughs) So, surely, if we were laughing at Dave that much, I can almost guarantee you that people were laughing at Noah and this thought of a catastrophic flood. Nothing like that had ever happened before. And just like in the days of Noah, people are so busy today living, living their lives that they push God to the side. They push him out. And Jesus warned us in Luke chapter 17, verses 26 and 27. He says, just as it, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in, in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them. Trust me when I tell you that if you go along with culture, if you just ride the wave of culture, right, you will not give much thought, if any thought at all, to, uh, to God or the consequences of a life without him. Our best bet is to get right with him, to get our family right with him, and then move out into the world to preach the gospel message so that as many people as possible will come to repentance because judgment day is coming, right? Judgment day is coming. So this leads me to uh, our final point today, and that, that is that there is a rescue plan. There is a rescue plan, but don't you just wish that there's, there, there's times in life where you just wish that God would just reach down and intervene in a situation, make it stop, right? Make it stop. This is evil. This is an evil world. I, I think if we're all honest, we could probably all agree that there's times that we've wished that that were the situation. But take heart, because God, God will. He has. He has intervened through his son, Jesus. But I think, I think the coming will be very soon. And in the middle of all the evil growing in the world, uh, I love this little verse in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God was saying, there's a rescue plan. There's, there's a plan for you, Noah, and there, there's a plan for you and your family, right? So God revealed the plan to him, and this became the salvation plan. 
Build an ark, right? Bring your family in. Bring in the animals. It's going to rain, people. Bring them in. God has a plan to rescue you. And his plan was by grace. God saw the wickedness of of humanity, but he chose to save the righteous. The fact that he decided to save anyone, though, in this world so full of sin displays his grace and his mercy. The rescue plan was also through faith. God revealed to Noah that uh, what the rescue plan was, and it was a, a very, very detailed plan. But God didn't offer to do all the work. Noah had to first believe that what God was telling him to do uh, was true. And then, well, thankfully, Noah didn't have to go through the Putnam County Planning Commission. Um, no. no. Sorry. Uh, if you, I'm sorry. Uh, no. Noah then had to go get to work. He had to go get to work, and he had to go do his part, right? That is what we call faith. Faith is when we act on what we believe. We, we trust in what God says, and then we obey. Trust and obey. So after God gave him all the instructions, the last verse of Genesis chapter 6 says this, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And several times in Noah's story, this is said about him. It's one thing to just believe what God says is true, but it's another thing. It's a whole uh, completely new step to actually act on it. In the second chapter uh, of the book of James, we read that faith without works is dead. And this is why Peter compared the ark of Noah to Christian baptism. In 1 Peter uh, 3, verses 21 and 22, uh, after discussing Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his proclamation of his lordship to the spirits of, uh, in prison, and God's patience in the days of Noah and the construction of the ark, Peter says this. He says, baptism, which corresponds to, to all of those things, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Christian baptism, it is not a work that earns any merit. It's not a magical act, right? It's not a bath for cleansing the body. No, baptism is an act of faith. Baptism is an act of obedience. And it's a beautiful picture and reenactment of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not baptism. It's not baptism that carries us to safety, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 3, and Galatians 3, 27, that baptism nearly, merely puts us into Christ. It identifies us with Christ. Christ is the ark who rescues us from the coming judgment. Baptism is, is simply doing our part to act on our faith in Christ, to trust and obey. Come on, somebody finish it. Yeah, in Jesus, than to trust and obey. Building the ark, it was by faith, and entering into the ark was by faith. The Lord closed the door, and after seven days, the, the rains came, and the great springs of the deep burst forth, and, and it absolutely poured rain for 40 days and 40 nights. The whole earth, it flooded and killed all living people and all animals, including the birds, right? But just 
as he promised, in the ark, God carried Noah and his family to safety in a new world. The rescue plan was by grace through faith in the ark. Today's rescue plan is by grace through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Do you know the purpose of your existence? Evil's growing, right? Evil is all around us. Are you in the ark of Christ? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, God, that through him we can have hope, we can have salvation, we can know you, Father. We thank you for, for this, this promise that, that we see in Noah's story that, that you would bring him through safety. That was his salvation plan. And Father, we thank you that, that it's not a boat now that's coming to save us, but it was your son. It was your son's sacrifice on the cross. His blood and his body poured out and broken for us and is raising to life again. We thank you for that plan of salvation. Father, we are not good enough, but your son was. He was more than enough. We thank you for that this morning. God, I just pray during this time, if there's anybody that needs to make a decision, God, that you would just move in their hearts, press on them uh, the decision that they, they need to make and just, just allow them to do that. We ask all these things in your name. If you do have a decision this morning to make, uh, I, I will be up here in the front. Uh, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to, uh, to talk baptism uh, and uh, what, whatever it is. Uh, if you want to come write your one, if you have another one that you want to be praying for, uh, come and commit their name on the wall to prayer. Whatever it is, if you have a decision to make, uh, you can come and do that during this time. But the band's going to lead us in another song, so you can stand and sing with us this final song.